All right, our scripture reading will be from the Old Testament this morning in the book of Isaiah. It's in chapter 65, verses 1 through 12. And if you're following along in the Black Pew Bibles, you can find it on page 623. So Isaiah 65, verses 1 through 12. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks, who sit in tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat pig's flesh and broth of tainted meat is in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. These are a smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their lap, both your iniquities and your father's iniquities together, says the Lord. Because they made offerings on the mountains and insulted me on the hills, I will measure into their lap payment for their former deeds. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster and they say, do not destroy it for there is a blessing in it. So I will do for my servant's sake and not destroy them all. I will bring forth offspring from Jacob and from Judah possessors of my mountains. My chosen shall possess it and my servants shall dwell there. Sharon shall become a pasture for flocks in the valley of Achor, a place for herds to lie down, for my people who have sought me. But for you who forsake the Lord, who forget my holy mountain, who set a table for fortune, and fill cups of mixed wine for destiny, I will destine you to the sword, and all of you shall bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not listen. But you did what was evil in my eyes and chose what I did not delight in. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you so much for having me here this morning. And it is always a pleasure to be back here. And it's always, it's, it's, it's great to see so many new faces here too. And so many long, uh, longtime friends. And uh, so thank you so much for your love and your support that you show our family. Uh, it really does mean a lot to us. And uh, so I hope to be able to meet some of you even later during the luncheon, uh, just to get to know some of you in, in some way. I do want to say that uh, in Italy, one very important thing that you have to do uh, is bring the greetings of, of people to the people you're speaking to. And so they asked me, the church there asked me, to, oh, greet the church uh, there. So I am greeting you. Hello. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it always reminds me, just like you see in the Bible, you know, I mean, just so Paul, you know, I greet you or whatever. Uh, so, so that's great. So I, I appreciate, um, I, I appreciate, I've, I've learned to appreciate that anyway. Uh, so even though maybe I don't see the necessity. And I will take back your greetings to them, right? Um, so thank you, thank you for that. But um, giving. When you think about giving, I think one adjective that definitely comes to mind is being generous. I mean, a person who is generous is a person who gives. And so this morning, 
I want to consider with you the generosity of God and specifically how that relates to global missions. How does God's generosity flow through us and flow to the world? We serve a generous God who calls us to live generously. I'm not talking about just simply doing acts of generosity. You know, I mean, a lot, anybody can just do lots of little kind of acts. I'm talking about doing acts of generosity that come from a heart that is generous. That's what we want to see. And if you want to have a heart that is overflowing with generosity, you must first look to God. It's from Him that generosity flows. It's from Him that we get the idea of what generosity really is. And then we just realize that we are just part of the process. We are, we are God's conduits of His generosity to the world around us. And so we're going to look at Isaiah 65 this morning, as it was just read. And I'm sure as you were reading that, and maybe you're reflecting upon that right now, you're thinking, you know, where's generosity there? You know? Uh, but just, just trust me, this is going to be a more of a thematic sermon, I will say that. We're not going to dig down into the uh, text as much. But I do think there's some characteristics of God that we see here that just display His generosity. And so what we want to do is just take some time to consider that. We want to paint a picture, a portrait, if you will, of what God's generosity looks like. And then we want to begin to go from there uh, and, and to talk about what that means for global missions. Because God's got a global plan from the beginning of time. And so we want to see what, what His generosity looks like in global missions and specifically what our role is in that as Christians. Okay, So let's, let's just first start talking about and trying to get a, get a grasp around God's generosity here in Isaiah 65, 1-12. And the first thing I would say is that God is generous with His words. God is generous with His words. He is generous with His revelation. Here am I. Here am I. He says repeatedly. He's calling out to a people. He is taking initiative in inviting a people to come to his, Himself. He says here in the text that He is ready to be sought. He is ready to be found. He's not hiding from us. He is generous with His revelation. And we know from the Bible that we see God's revelation in nature, don't we? The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. It's the fool who says in his heart that there is no God. Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that what can be known about God is, is, is plain in nature. We just look around and we, we can see God's handprint. We see Him there to the point that He says we are without excuse. God is generous with His words. He's generous in His revelation. And of course, we also see in the Bible that He has spoken to us through the fathers. He has spoken to us through the prophets. And we have His written Word here for us. He is generous with His revelation. We can know Him. We can come to Him because He makes that way possible. So God is generous with His words. Secondly, we also see that God is generous with His patience. Get this image that we have presented to us here in verse 2 and in your minds. He says, I spread out my hands 
all the day to a rebellious people. He's waiting. He's patient. He's slow to anger. He's rich in mercy. And we're not just talking about a patience that, you know, we have to kind of put up with on a daily basis that, you know, someone's a little late for an appointment. We've got to be patient. Or we're talking to somebody and the person just, you know, talks and 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 talks and, talks, and you're kind of patiently waiting to, to get your opinion across and somehow that moment never comes, you know? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, those are frustrations, but that's not the kind of patience we're really talking about here. The patience of God in this passage is stunning. He is patient. He is forbearing. He is putting up with a lot of wretched, sinful behavior. These people are described as rebellious. They are refusing to walk in the ways of the Lord. And instead, they choose to walk according to their own desires. This is a people who provoke God to His face continually, day in, day out. It's horrible. And yet God is there with His arms stretched out, calling, here am I. I think it's important for us to really realize that the, the experience of rebellion is, is a slow process. It's not like walking you know, to the edge of a cliff and then jumping over. But it's more like this, this lazy Sunday afternoon stroll in the park where we, where we just kind of follow the path that leads away from the Lord. And that's certainly what has happened to the Israelites in, you know, throughout this time period. Just one step away from the Lord compromising in those small little things that we think really aren't that important. It's not a big deal. And before you know it, we get so far away, we turn around, we realize we have falling off a cliff. It's utter rebellion. But God is patient. He's slow to anger. So God is generous with His words. God is generous with His patience. God is also generous with His judgment. Now, let me be clear here. I'm not talking about God going overboard uh, in judging. I mean, when He judges, it is a righteous and just judgment. The punishment fits the crime. But just in the same way that He shares His words, uh, in, in the same way he, he shares His patience, if you will, He also shares His judgment. These people have walked in wickedness for so long that it's, they're described as being this, this, this smoke that's going up. This irritating smoke that is going up into his nostrils. And this kind of sends us a very strong message. And it should shake us to some degree. But that is that while God is patient, He does not overlook our sins either. He does not overlook our sins. His patience must not be perceived as some kind of approval for our sins or some kind of license for us to say, well, well 
it's not really that big of a deal. His patience is his kindness. And Paul says his kindness is designed to lead us to repentance. Let us be careful that we just lose sight of the gravity of sin before a holy God. And so, these rebellious people, they've rejected God, they've turned to idolatry, and the judgment of the Lord is clear. He says, I will destine you to the sword, and you shall bow down to the slaughter. There will be a recognition of the sovereign rule of God. He does not share His glory with any other. This text really exposes to us also the the, the root of the problem and explains to us precisely the reason that judgment is coming upon this rebellious people. He says, when I called you, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not listen. I called. And there was silence. You didn't respond. God made His will clear. But they chose to disregard it following their own desires instead. The choice to not listen to God leads to behavior that is absolutely contrary to His will. We must listen to the Lord. Fourth, God is generous with His salvation. You know, one of the interesting things that I find in Isaiah is that there's just this um, judgment and and blessing and, and, you know, this judgment and hope that is just intertwined. And we find this here in this chapter because we get this glimmer of hope in verse 8. It says, there's some good wine. And there's a remnant who is who has not followed the idols. There's a remnant that has, has remained faithful to the Lord who are listening. And God, in the, in the, the way that only He can do, can, can separate the good, faithful servants from the wicked ones. And if we were to keep reading in this chapter, we would see that this generous salvation will one day overflow into a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to remake it all. All the wrongs will be righted. But one thing that I think we must point out here is that this salvation that, the, that God's going to do, the salvation that God is going to bring, is something that's going to be in the heart. Our hearts are good. He's not just talking about you know, religious observance going through the rituals. He's talking about something much deeper. And in fact, when we get to chapter 66, uh, verse 2, he says, but this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. This is the salvation that God is bringing. Something that is much deeper. Something that we can't do. That we are totally dependent upon His grace to do in us. And He is so generous with His salvation. And He's bringing it forward to us. And finally, I think in this passage we see another uh, 
element of God's generosity. And that is God is generous with His provision. God is generous with His provision. Now, I'll admit, we didn't read that this verse, but look, look down in verse 24. Here, here we have this new heaven and new earth being described, and we're seeing the blessings that God is going to bring for His people, and they're just kind of uh, going through them. But verse 24 just really stuck out to me. It says, Before they will call, I will answer. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. I don't know if you've put two things together already on your own, maybe. But earlier we said, God said, I called you. I'm calling. There's nothing. No response. Silence. And then here we have God. We call. Better yet, before we're even able to call, He responds. Wow. God is so generous in His provisions. He provides for everything that we need. He is graciously listening to us. He's, you know, I think for us, you know, if, if we were God, what would we do? Ah, you didn't listen to me, so I'm not going to listen to you. you know, and let's not think that that's something of, you know, for children. That's something we all do. Let's face it. We do it in our a little adult kind of way, but we kind of get, we get the, the uh, uh, vendetta, the uh, revenge. We get the revenge. Some way, some, somehow. And God is so gracious. And He's so generous. And He says, before the words even come out of your mouth, I've already heard it. Things are in motion. I'm responding. And He provides the help that we need in exactly the moment that we need it. So, that's the portrait, if you will, of, of God's generosity. He's generous with His words. He's generous with His patience. He's generous with His judgment. He's, he's generous with salvation and He's generous with His provision. So now we've got to ask ourselves, what, what does that mean for our lives? How, how does God's generosity shape our generosity? And specifically, how, do, how does our generosity relate to global missions in particular? Now, to make this transition, we, we need to recognize the fact that there, there is a global aspect to God's generosity. Everything we've just seen, there is a global aspect here. So in verse 1 of, of chapter 65, we, we, we see right off the bat that God says He is calling out to a nation that is not even called by His name. Then later on in the chapter, we see this description of the new heavens and the new earth, and we know that something is bigger than just simply Israel that he has in mind. And certainly if we would even go to the, to the last chapter, we would see all the nations coming before him. The true descendants of Abraham, our father of faith, are those who come to God by faith and not just ritual observance. 
And of course, we see in the broader context of Isaiah that God is doing something that is well beyond Israel. So all the nations, like I said, are are coming to worship before Him. Foreigners will be on His holy mountain. His servant, His Messiah, is going to be a light unto the nations. He will be Emmanuel. God with us. He will suffer and die for our sins. And this is all in Isaiah. I I remember years ago, uh, Vince uh, Kiravalotti was, was preaching here. This is before, that, this had to be 2007, something like that, before we went to uh, Italy. But uh, Vince Kiravalotti was preaching and uh, he, he shared this story that he was on a train going from Venice to Rome and uh, he got to talking to a Jew, a Jewish lady, and uh, at one point he says, well, can I, can I just read a passage to you? Passages of Scripture. And she said, sure, sure, sure. And uh, he read from Isaiah 53. And the lady was offended. How could you read something to me? You knew I was Jew. How could you read something from the New Testament to me about Jesus? And he was like, well, actually I read from Isaiah 53. And she was flustered and said, well, I'll have to talk to the rabbi about that. And uh, it's so clear. It's so clear. Then Isaiah says this, for, for to us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah had an expectation. There's something bigger. There's something grander out there. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts has done this. The manger is the greatest display of God's generosity the world has ever seen. God giving His greatest gift to humanity. The generosity of His revelation comes to a climax in Jesus. The very Word of God as God the Father speaks to us in these last days through His Son. The generosity of His patience is clearly visible in the death of the One who was perfect in all His ways, yet opened not His mouth like a lamb that is led to a slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Nowhere do we see the generosity of God's judgment so astoundingly clear like we do in the cross of Christ where God poured out His wrath as He bore our sins. The promise that was made so many years ago to Abraham is now a reality. All of the families of the earth will be blessed through Him because of Jesus. And we have freedom from our sin. 
God's generous provision overflows to us in Jesus. Overflows to us. Jesus instructs us to not worry about the things of this world, but rather to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be given unto us. It is, in fact, the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. This generosity that we see in Isaiah 65 is global in its scope. And it comes to a culmination in Jesus Christ. God is actively involved. He is taking the initiative to display His generosity to a lost and dying world. And throughout the story of redemption, God has chosen to use His people to bring it forward. He has chosen to use us to be the conduits of His generosity to the people around us. We have so abundantly received of His grace that we then have the, have the capability, the awesome opportunity to be generous to the ones around us. So what does this mean for us, specifically thinking of global missions? Number one, we must generously offer ourselves to His service. We must genuous, generously offer ourselves to His service we don't hold anything back. We say, it's all yours, Lord. I'm all yours. I will go wherever you call me to go. And so for many of you, that will mean staying here. That will mean answering God's call to be a teacher. Answering God's call to be a computer technician. Answering God's call, fill in the blank. That's what God is calling you to do. For some of you, perhaps God is calling you into missions. Perhaps God is calling you to leave your family and to go and serve Him somewhere in some other culture. Could God be doing that to you? Absolutely. The important thing is to respond to where He's calling you to be and to go. Wherever God has called you to go, we must be generous with our words. We must proclaim the glorious Gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. And that's everywhere. I'm not talking about going up and you know, getting up on our soapbox on the street corner and preaching and, and trying to you know, hammer it down people's throats. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about those those. Words said in season. Those phrases that could have eternal impact on people's lives around you. Are we ready to do that? Now, some of us need to push ourselves a little, a little bit in that. We need to push ourselves to open our mouths. You know, if you're anything like me, you can think of about 20 things to say after the fact, right? You know, oh, I should have said this. Oh, I should have said that. You know? But we need, we need to have those bold moments, knowing that the Holy Spirit is going to give us the words to share in that moment for His glory. 
And we need to be, if we're, going to, if we're going to give all of us to the Lord and we're going to be generous in offering ourselves to the Lord, we also need to be generous with our, with our good acts, with our good deeds. We need to do good things to people around us. It's not an either or. It's, it's, it's speaking and doing. It's both. People will see Christ in you. Our actions need to back up what we believe. And in fact, Paul says to the, uh, to the Thessalonians something that just has always stuck with me. It just, it is one of those verses that just continues to pierce my heart. But he says, I, you know, I came to you um, not only to share with you the gospel words, but my own self. I, I, just, I gave you my life. Are we, are we willing to do that for the people around us? for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus Christ, just to be generous with ourselves. It's not easy. I mean, certainly easy to say. But it's not easy to put into practice. Because we like our, our lives in order, don't we? We don't like, you know, the... the, um, the um, sorry, sometimes the words just come to me in Italian. Uh, now, I... Just the, un, the unplanned stuff. You know, we, we, we like to have things planned, don't we? And if something doesn't fit in our schedule, we think, mm, maybe not. But we need to be willing to move into the lives of people. And that can mean sacrifice on our own part. It means loving them well. Are we ready to do that? We must generous, generous, uh, generously offer ourselves to His service. We must generously give of our finances. Now, all through the Bible, we see that God's people gave financially to bring His redemptive project forward. They gave for the building of the tabernacle. They gave for the building of, uh, of, of the temple. The, the Philippians gave money for Paul's ministry to move forward. The, the churches all around the Mesopotamia, they gave money for, for the poor in Jerusalem. We, as a family, are recipients of your generosity as a church. And we are so grateful for that. Thank you. It means a lot. We, we cannot work in Italy uh, because of the permits that we have to, for living there. We, we are, we're barred by the government to, to work there. So your financial giving to us allows us to work full time doing missions, doing, uh, helping people, going out to the, uh, to the neighborhood to give in this particular time period, giving scripture calendars to people talking to people. The, the Monday before I left, we were out there in the open market giving out these calendars and just had people coming up to us, thanking us for these calendars. One lady was crying because she's just going through a difficult time. Another lady was like, oh man, I, I'm tired of going to the Catholic Mass. All I hear is uh, political uh, speech. I want to hear the Gospel. Thought, wow. That's, that's, that's amazing. You know. So, you know, your financial giving allows us to do that. I know you're supporting other missionaries as well. That is something, but you know, just remember, there's something more than just writing a check. You know, there's something more than, than just putting money into an offering. You're doing it because you serve a generous God, and you want that generosity to flow through you in this simple way. That's going to have global uh, significance, global impact for eternity. Thank you for your giving. 
And lastly, we must be generous in our prayers. I think you would all agree this is probably the most important thing, isn't it? This is all a work of the Lord. This is all a work of the Holy Spirit to work in people's hearts, to to draw them to Himself. We are His partners doing His will, stepping out and just trying to say, Lord, here we are, and we need to pray. Paul asked the people you know, in, in Ephesians, I mean, almost every letter, he asked the people to pray for him. He said, pray that, that God will open the door for the Gospel. He said, pray that I might be courageous. That's very encouraging for me. I don't know about for you, but if, if Paul had to pray for boldness, Thank you, thank you, Lord. I need it too. He prayed that he would boldly proclaim the Word of God clearly as he should. I would add to pray against discouragement. It can at times get discouraging. For all of us, but I'm thinking specifically from, from a missionary point of view. I mean, we're, we're there. We don't have the family around us. We don't, we don't have... Um, that familiar culture around us, and it can get tough. It can get discouraging. People tell us no. You know, we present and talk to the people about the gospel. It's no, 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 no. Oh, it gets wearing sometimes. Pray against discouragement. And we have to do this steadfastly, continually. And that's and that's where we find the the generosity in our in our prayers. We pray without ceasing. We serve a generous God who has this this redemptive plan for the world. And we are a part of that. Taking His generosity, and especially this time of year when we're thinking about Christmas, we're thinking about the Incarnation, what greater gift is there than Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world? We have a part and bringing that generosity to the world. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? I unexpectedly um, had a... went to go see my aunt. Well, I was down in South Carolina for a week before coming up here. And as you can tell from the accent, I'm not from around these parts. Uh, I'm from South Carolina. And... Um, Anyway, my aunt is in a rehab center uh, rehabbing, and I don't remember what she's rehabbing from, but it's not important. Um, and so we're just talking to her. She's 84 years old, and it was just one of those moments, one of those God moments, that she just, you know, here's an 84-year-old lady, very simple, um, that just spoke words that pierced my soul. She, she was talking, and, and at one point she got to talking about, well, getting old is, is hard. <laughs> She's just kind of lamenting. It's just, getting old's hard. And, you know, you've, you know, you've heard that before, but the way she said it, she, she wasn't grumbling. She wasn't complaining. She says, because the reason why she's saying it was getting hard, she says, because I have other people to serve. I got people I want to do things for, for the Lord. 
She was ready to just to offer out, to just to give of herself, even in this state, late state of the game. <laughs> she was ready to do it. She was generous in her offering herself to the Lord. And then, then she says those words that you've heard and I've heard so many times, they've become cliche, unfortunately, but you know, God is good. But somehow, in some way, I don't know what it was, but hearing those words come from her mouth was just astounding for me. I don't know. I don't know how to put it in words. Because if there was anybody who could you know, legitimately say that God is not good, she's one of those. She's had a rough life. And there she was. God is good. And she's saying, there's more people I want to serve. Despite my physical condition, despite problems with my family, despite this and despite that, there's more people I want to serve. And then I'm getting up and we're leaving. And, and she starts asking me uh, about our financial situation. I talked to her about it. She gets her checkbook out and writes a very generous check. Very generous. And then before we leave, she says, Ron, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? This is someone who saw the need for prayer. And, I, you know, and here, you know, I had already written the sermon. I had already gone through the applications. And I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> I'm seeing it live and in person right here. I was touched. And I know it's probably one of those things you, you, you had to be there to really get it. You know, I get it. I'm, so I'm trying to communicate it the best I can. But, wow. May we be like that. <laughs> just, just ready to give it all to the Lord. Lord, I want to be generous with my life for You. Lord, I want to be generous with my finances for You. Lord, I want to be generous in my prayers for Your glory and for Your honor. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, You are so, so generous to us. Lord, You have given the gift that we, we just cannot repay. We, we, we cannot even in any way, shape, or form measure up to the value of the gift that You've given us. Lord, we thank You for this gift of salvation. We thank You for the gift of life. We thank You for the gift of having union with You. That we are now, because of Jesus, Your friends. So Lord, we want to serve You. We want to serve You with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our minds, with just everything in us. We want to go where You call us to go. We want to speak the words that You give us to speak. We want to do the things that You call us to do. We want to be generous with our finances. We want to be generous with our prayers. And Lord, I, I confess that so many times the prayer is one of those first things to go in the busyness of life. 
Help us to be generous with our prayers. Just to be people who are praying without ceasing. Praying in the car. Praying as we go to work. Praying at lunch. Praying at dinner. Just praying at all times, Lord. In all occasions. Lord, You are a generous God. And we can only be generous because of You. Because of the work that You are doing in us. Here we are, Lord. Use us. Send us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.